Hellman on cliffcentral.com. It uh, is a very interesting time to be a student in South Africa in the context of what's happening. I would imagine it's even more interesting to be an SRC president at an institution like UCT, which is the case for a uh, Rory Sang Musedi, who is the uh, UCT SRC president for 2016. But really, there is a hell of a lot more to you than this title. Uh, there have been many, many titles before. And before we get bogged down in titles, uh, Rory, Tell me what it is that uh, differentiates you from the rest of the human race. <laughs> wow, that's a really big question to <laughs> ask. Um, what differenti- differentiates me from the human race? Really, I don't think there's anything. I, I don't look at myself as particularly unique, to be completely honest. Um, I just see myself as a foot soldier of the world and um, trying to further... Um, a, a broad agenda that impacts the most people. So what differentiates me from the rest of hum- the human race? I don't know. I guess it's who I am, what my goals are, and what my vision is. Mm. But that really um, is a sort of derivative of what I have a vision for society in general. When you look at the world around you uh, and you look at all the, the problems that we're facing as a human race and as people and so on and so forth, what do you draw inspiration and motivation from so that you're not overwhelmed by the negativity that there is in our world? Look, I think, you know, what really stops me from being overwhelmed, I think I would be lying if I said there aren't moments where I feel defeated. But I think for me, the... The key thing is I'm, I'm always reminded by the fact that, you know, we, we've seen a year, for instance, where young people have taken a stand across the country, um, and have really called institutions into question and have driven some change and meaningful change at that, at, at various levels, uh, of the, you know, of the order of life. Um, and for me, that inspires me quite a lot. It inspires me because it, makes me believe that I have the mandate of students and that people um, are really um, are, are behind are behind us as, as student leaders, are believe in the vision that we're trying to execute. Mm. So when things are difficult, if I'm in a difficult meeting and I'm sitting on council and people are being difficult or unwilling to listen to students, I just remember, you know, the 27,000 people that... I'm supposed to be representing and the expectation that they have of me as, as, as a servant leader to execute a mandate. And for me, that's what keeps me going when times get tough. Let's pick up on this word leader and not even just specifically in the context of your life and what you're doing and trying to achieve right now, but as a word, uh, how does one's relationship evolve with that word as one gets older? That's a very interesting question. I, you know, for me, I, I, as I've matured and I've done more stuff, um, in different spaces, I think really the word leader is very strange for me. Um, I don't necessarily see myself as, um, a huge leader of lots of people. Instead, I just look at myself as a worker, really, as a, as, as a servant and a, and a channel or a vessel for people. Um, I, I use the small ability that I have, whether it be 
to, you know, stand up in difficult spaces and air out an opinion that I know is supported by many, whether it's staying up and doing the groundwork um, for, for a campaign or trying to put together a proposal. Um, really, for me, it's the responsibility of, of aggregate or mass views mm. um, and executing a task for society. That's what being a leader is. It's really just having various people's interests vested in you, and you are then tasked and have the responsibility to see that through. So it's not necessarily some special or elevated position. Rather, it's a place of or it's a position of work. It's one that requires servant leadership. It requires constant transparency and accountability to the mm. people that you serve. Um, because at the end of the day, you are who you are because of the people who put you there. Mm. Um, and it's very easy for them to take you, you know, to take you out um, if you're not serving that mandate. Tell me about finding a voice. I mean, it's three really interesting words, this idea of what it is to find one's voice. A lot of millennials, I think, you know, ironically in a day and age where it is so easy for us to have a voice on social media, are struggling to find what that voice is and find the specific qualities of what our voices are. Finding a voice, how does that resonate with you? I I think it's a, a unique concept. I don't know. So... For me personally, what finding a voice means to me is really finding a space in which to express yourself. So, uh, you know, whether it be through, for me, for instance, speaking on public platforms on uh, political issues, whether finding your voice is uh, some creative art form or perhaps finding your voice might be, uh, you know, getting bogged down in some maths research or something like that. It, it, it really, it's finding your voice speaks to being the full expression of yourself. Um, and, and, and that space for you is how you can self actualize and be the best that you can be. Um, so it's, it's really, I don't know. I think when I think of finding one's voice, I think of boundless ideas and self expression really. Hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, you speak for somebody who's 20 years old, uh, with just such a, a wealth of wisdom and so on and so forth. What is it that you think of yourself? What's your opinion on who you are? Wow. Um, who do I think I am? That's a very intense question. I, I, I think of myself as somebody who's uh, 20, 21, who has a dream. For South Africa and for Africa, I um, look at myself as someone who has a long way to go to become who I would like to be. Um, but I look at myself as somebody who has the ability to stand up against the tide um, when things get tough. Mm. I think of myself as somebody who is inspired by those who I, I am around. I am driven to achieve by my background and where I grew up. Um, I am who I am because of, 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 of who raised me. And mm. I was, I, I'm from Johannesburg. I grew up in a mixture of, of townships and suburbs. I understand that culture clash 
I have varying and diverse experiences. And yeah, so for me, I think I'm a representative or at least a product of what it means to be 21 and South African uh, and black, especially Mm. in, in 2016. I think that you are poised to have a really, really big year in 2016. I've got a feeling that we're going to hear your name in our consciousness a hell of a lot this year. I've got to go to two questions that we have for you from fellow millennials on our list of influential millennials to watch in 2016. Uh, the first one, Rory, what do you think is the biggest misconception millennials have about success? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, first of all, like even the idea of millennials, right? And like the, the conception of millennials as, as, as these people who are, um, the me, me, me generation for, to a certain extent. So, you know, a sense of urgency and immediacy. I don't know. I think I challenge that concept of, of being, of the, that conception of being a millennial, first of all, mm. starting out. I think, that I'm actually looking uh, in my office right now at the time cover <laughs> that says the me, me, me generation millennials hmm. are lazy, entitled narcissists who still live with their parents hmm. and why they'll save us all. And I, why I think we'll <laughs> save the world is it, it, I think we have a newfound understanding of a sense of global community. Technology gives us this incredible ability to be able to um, connect and share ideas in the most incredible way. So, you know, misconceptions of, of, of success, perhaps people may look at millennials and think our conception of success is one that's commodified or one that revolves around material things. But I think that's changing quite rapidly um, because I think there's now a growing sense of urgency and education around the growing problems around the world. So whether it be poverty, inequality, patriarchy, uh, racism, uh, really, I think the success is such a, wa- a varying and wide concept for people who are classified as millennials, just simply because of the diversity of thought. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I wouldn't be, I wouldn't speak on behalf of a, a whole generation of people. Um, but I do think that our conception of success in 2016 as young people who are what 20 somethings or late teens, I really have a feeling as though it's on track. I think it's, it speaks to so many things. Um, so I, I, I personally don't have qualms with any conception of what success means in 2016 as a millennial. Good answer. Millennials. It's a good answer. Next question here while we're uh, blazing through these. How do you process rejection and failure? Do you even process it? I don't know. What's the deal? <laughs> um, I think rejection and failure is obviously one of the, I am a human being, so it, it is tough to, to, to fail. Um, but for me, the way I view it is, it's, it's a, it's a lesson, you know, one, one never really fails because failure speaks to the end of something, right? So for me, I think it's really just redirecting you. It's a, it's a redirection tool. It's like when you're, your GPS and you make the wrong turn and it has a second where it says rerouting. Yeah. Um, it sounds really corny by saying that, but really I think failures and those experiences of disappointment helped you in the process of self-reflection um, and you're then able to say to yourself, look, was this 
thing really meant for me? Was it something that really would have edified my life? And if the answer is no, then the failure was the lesson itself. And there's the, therein lies that success, right? The success of, of knowledge, if you want to call it that. Um, and perhaps if you are still saying yes, that thought of edified your life, you then learn what you did wrong. And perhaps, you know, one should learn from that experience and rectify behavior and try again. Um, I think the, mo- the, the best successes or victories are one that are hard fought and earned and uh, nothing that comes easy actually gives you a sense of, of, of success or a sense of, you know, you having earned something. So I think failure and disappointment are really part of anyone's growth journey. Without that, I don't see how one can grow at all, to be honest. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the trick is that I think it's a lot easier to say than to do. And and I wonder what pep talk you give yourself when you're in the midst of failing or when you're in the midst of something not going the way you wanted to or in the midst of something really kicking you in the gut. I mean, what's the mm. conversation that you're having in your mind when that's happening? I think I always try and look at the bigger picture. I'm one of those people who don't dwell on the moment, or at least I try not to. Sometimes, obviously, it's a bit tough if it's something quite big, but I I always try and think, okay, what now? What's next? You know, I'm always very forward looking, forward thinking. I think what's tomorrow? It's never uh, about the past. For me, it must always speak. Our moments today must always speak for where we're going. So when something is happening that I feel like I failed, I evaluate why I think I failed. Why? What went wrong? As I said earlier. And then a key thing is, the question I always must ask myself is, what's next? What happens now? Um, and I try and focus my energy on moving forward rather than that moment because the energy of and the, and the perception and the hope of tomorrow and the next thing somehow results in a feeling of excitement, of optimism, um, and a sense of control, to be honest. It makes you feel like you have your life in order <laughs> a little bit. And I think a lot of us, uh, you know, are constantly feeling as though we have no idea what's happening. But a sense of a plan, a sense of direction always helps in the midst of, of, of failure, mm. of, of moments where you feel like nothing makes sense. Listen, dude, I'm so glad that we got you on this list. Again, 21, dropping it like it's hot on this level. Uh, and I, I think you're just going to have such a big year. I actually want you to close the interview. I want you to, to <laughs> conclude here. Tell me what's left to say. What's Whatever, bro. You, you wrap it up. Look, I think the most important thing as a young person today is being able to identify what is wrong in your community and what is right. When something is wrong, the responsibility to fix it is yours. Um, at the end of the day, we are building a society that we are going to inherit. Um, we are already in the process of inheriting it. So it's important for us to take a stand, take the responsibility. Um, our tagline for our SRC this year is, uh, where students lead institutions are reimagined. And mm-hmm. I strongly believe in that. I think that... Yeah, as young people, we have the responsibility to reimagine our institutions um, across the board, whether they should exist or not. 
Um, and it's so important for us to decolonize our institutions and our society in order for us to truly be living in a space where we can call ourselves liberated um, and free. So, yeah, that's 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 how I would I would like people to remember our term, my term as as an SRC president. But for me in general, that's that's how I live my life. Rory Sangmusedi, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Kelman on cliffcentral.com.